Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, let's get into today's teaching. I'm going to open us up in prayer and we're going to dive on into the word. Father God, we come on this day, dear God, that you've made, oh God, we give you name, glory, honor, and praise, oh God. We thank you, dear God, for another opportunity, oh God, to uh, open up the bread of life, oh God. We thank you for the word that's going to go forth on this night, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that should go forth with power, oh God. We know that your word shall accomplish that what you set it out to do, oh God. So I thank you for each and every ear who's listening, oh God, that your word shall go in them, oh God. They shall receive it, oh God, and put forth the word to action. So we thank you now. We bless your name, oh God. Holy Spirit, have your way on this call. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Oh, God, give us clarity as we study your word. Oh, God, we thank you. We bless your name now. These no blessed we ask in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm going to do a quick recap of last week's Bible study. We're still on this series entitled uh, Spiritual Warfare Training. And last week we talked about knowing your right. And last week we talked a little bit about how that as a child of God, you have to know that you have a God-given right to rule on earth. So we have a God-given right to rule on earth, that God did not ask you to rule and have dominion on earth, but he commanded that we rule and have dominion on earth. So we have to take authority where God has assigned us. So we have to take authority where God has assigned us, and an attack of the enemy doesn't give you an excuse to roll over, but it's reminded that you need to take over because God has given you assignment, God has given you territory, and he expects you to rule in that territory, he expects you to rule in the assigned territory that he has given unto you. Um, and also we talked about how pretty much why we have to get in the spirit, because when you talk about spiritual warfare, if you're in the flesh, the flesh is known to do one thing, and that's to mess things up. So we have to get in the spirit so that we can do the things of God that he requires up that he requires of us. And, of course, if we step outside of Christ, then we step outside of life because Christ, we know, is our life. And then we talked about the three key rights that we have in spiritual warfare three key rights that we have in spiritual warfare, and that was, number one was the right to use the authority of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. The second key right was the right to God's will. And the third key right was the right to rule in your territory. So we broke each one of those different rights um, down. Of course, that we, we are expected to use the authority of Jesus Christ because that's how we carry out God's will. That's how demons obey, how they have to back down when we come in the authority of Jesus Christ. So when we show up, Christ shows up. And the power of the Holy Spirit, which does the work, that's what casts out demons, that's what heals the sick, that's what breaks down barriers, etc. So we need the authority. We have the authority of Christ. We want to accept Jesus Christ in our lives when we get the Holy Spirit. So we have the authority and the power. So that's been kind of this running theme. I'm going to say it week after week after week after week until you get it. Because it's one thing to say it, but it has to get it down inside of you until you live your life accordingly, until you walk knowing that you have the authority of Christ backing you and knowing that you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. So therefore, it's no longer you that's showing up, but it's Christ that's showing up. It's no longer you doing the work because it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible for me or you to carry out God's will without the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Christ. And of course, you have the right to God's will. Of course, we have an inheritance. And so you have a right to the things that God has assigned to you. You have a right to the things that God has released unto you. And of course, the right to rule in your territory, that God's given you territory to rule in, and you have a right to do that. Um, because we're kings and priests, so it's your responsibility as a ruler on earth, because you are a ruler on earth from God's kingdom to enforce order in your side territory. So it's expected God is dependent upon you to rule on earth 
in your territory. You have to enforce order in your assigned territory. So again, it's a sphere of influence that you have, and you are expected to enforce that order in your area. So that's just a brief recap of last week, and tonight we're still on spiritual warfare training, and tonight is part five, and we, tonight we're going to talk about the battleground, the battleground of spiritual warfare training. So first of all, we have to understand that, that we all, you and I, we all must engage in spiritual warfare. That's the first thing we understand. We all have to engage in spiritual warfare. And the more you accept the power and the authority given to you, the greater advantage you will have. So, therefore, it helps to understand the battleground, the battleground where, where the battles are taking place. So it helps to be aware of what is going on around you so you're really caught by surprise. So if, if you know what's going on around you, then, like I said, you're going to really be caught off guard. You're going to be really caught by surprise. So God gave you territory to manage on his behalf. And it's your responsibility to defend it against the attack of the enemy. I'm going to say that again. God gave you. He gave you specifically. You. He gave you territory to manage on his behalf. So he's saying, look, this is my, it all belongs to me. He said, but I'm going to make you a steward over this. I want you to manage this area. I want you to manage, manage this area of influence, whether it be on your job, in your home, in your community, etc., the, the place that you live, your city. So he said, look, I've given you rulership in this area and therefore i'm calling you to manage it so therefore it is now your responsibility to defend it against the attack of the enemy so that's personal responsibility but again going back to power and authority it's not you doing it so it's just a matter of you showing up and accepting what god says go into all the earth okay so you just have to show up you just have to go you have to go forward and so as you go forward then now the Holy Spirit can really use you because now you're actually moving so that he can do the, the work through you, okay? So that, that's responsibility. So your area of influence, you are responsible for it, okay? But again, it's the power and authority in you, so it's really not you doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work through you. It's Christ living through you. So there's no such thing as a surprise attack from the enemy in spiritual warfare because you're always prepared in God's army. You're always prepared in God's army. So we already know that the enemy... We'll try to steal. We'll try to kill. We'll try to destroy. So we're always prepared. So your flesh may be caught off guard when the enemy attacks, but your spirit was born ready. Again, your flesh may be caught off guard when the enemy attacks, but your spirit was born ready. You just have to get in the spirit. Again, walking in the spirit, not after the flesh. And so it's important to understand your role in the battle so you are not distracted. So it's important to understand your role. In the battle so you're not distracted. So when you understand and do your role in God's kingdom, it becomes difficult for the enemy to place fear in you because you, you know you're covered. You know you're covered, so it becomes difficult for the enemy to try to uh, invoke fear in you. So therefore, fear is simply a lie that Satan wants you to believe. Fear is an enemy, and I've been saying it time and time again, fear is an enemy of God, so therefore it should be an enemy of you. Fear is an enemy that attempts to get you to live below your rank in God by stepping outside of your faith in God. That's all faith does. It's, again, it's an enemy that attempts to get you to live below your rank in God by causing you to step outside of your faith in God. Because when your faith is in God, then you're saying, Lord, I know what, what, what I'm facing. I know what challenges are thrown at me. I know the darts that the enemy are throwing at me, but my faith is in you, and I'm seated in Christ. So therefore, that no, no, the enemy can't hurt me. That's why, again, it's understanding your position, understanding your rank. And there's no place for fear on the battleground of spiritual warfare. Hear me clearly. Hear me clearly. 
There is no place for fear on a battleground in spiritual warfare. Rest in your faith in God that he knows what he's doing through you, that he knows what he's doing through you. So you're entitled to fight for what's rightfully yours because it rightfully belongs to God. Yes, we are in war, but it's war that we've already won. It's a war we have already won. So God wants you to get to the mindset. He wants you to get to the mindset of living from the perspective of it's already done. He wants you to, he, he's trying to get you to the mindset of living life from the perspective of it's already done. So you have to walk forward in Christ so that you can activate it. So you have to understand it's already done. I mentioned it briefly on uh, – we had a singles prayer call last time. I was talking a little bit about that, how it's already done. So things look different from this perspective because you're no longer asking God to do what he already said he did. You get a difference? Now, now you're no longer asking God to do something that he already said he did. So that's changing your perspective. Oftentimes we spend a lot of time asking God to do something that he said he has already done. And he's, so, again – God is trying to get you to the mindset of living life from the perspective of it's already done. Whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm, whatever the enemy throws at me, whatever challenge comes to spiritual warfare, I know it's already done. God's already taken care of it. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to defend my territory that God has assigned to me because he expects me to manage it on his behalf. But he's given me the power of the Holy Spirit, and I have the authority of Jesus Christ. So therefore, whatever the enemy tries, they have to back away. They have to back down. But I have to show up. You have to show up. You can't just think that the enemy is just going to back away just because you, you, you're there. You have to command them to leave. You have to engage in warfare if they're coming on your territory trying to cause a ruckus. Okay? So, again, it's a different perspective. We're looking from the lens of it's already done because you're no longer asking God, like I said, to do what he already said he did. When you ask God for something that he already said he gave you, there's nothing else he needs to do. You just need to receive it. I'm going to say that again. Because, again, it's, it's, it's changing our mindset, changing our perspective, how we're viewing it, how we're looking at the things of God and, and what he's assigned us to and what he's called us to. So, again, when you ask God for something that he already said he gave you, according to his word, there's nothing else he needs to do. You just have to receive it. So it looks like a lack of communication on the battlefield and spiritual warfare when you ask for things that you already have. So you don't have to ask for power because you already have limitless power in you and the Holy Spirit. You don't have to ask for healing because Jesus already died for your healing. You don't have to ask to prosper because God already said that he desires that you prosper. You need to receive what God already said you have and attack the enemy in spiritual warfare when what you see contradicts what God said. I'm going to say that again. You need to receive what God already said you have and attack the enemy in spiritual warfare when what you see contradicts what God said. Because if you're seeing something that's contradicting what God already said, then you know it's the devil. You know it's the enemy automatically. And again, God already said, said he desires for you to prosper, okay? So there's something attacking your – getting in with your prosperity that you know it's the enemy. Jesus already died for you healing. So if there's sickness in your body, some of you know it's the enemy. So you don't have to, it's not about, all oh God, if it's your will. It is his will that you be healed. It is his will that you prosper. So you don't have to ask, Lord, let your will be done in that case because it's already done. So again, looking from the lens of it's already done. And this is important in spiritual warfare. So again, you need to receive what God already said you have and attack the enemy in spiritual warfare when what you see contradicts what God said. 
So fear is a lack of acknowledging the power and authority that God placed in you. Fear is a lack of acknowledging the power and authority that God placed in you. And when you really trust God's word, fear won't stay around. It can't. There is no place for fear. Fear has no place in your life when you really trust the word of the Lord. So you have an upper hand on the battleground. Again, we talk about uh, in spiritual warfare, the battleground. So you already have an upper hand. You may not control what happens around you, but you can control what you do about it. You can control because, again, what's your responsibility in the area God has assigned to you? It's your responsibility to bring light where there's darkness. It's your responsibility to bring light where there's darkness. So therefore, that means whatever's going on around you, if it contradicts God's word, if, if, if it's darkness, you are bring, or to bring light because you are light. You are, Scripture says, you are the light of the world. So that means your light is supposed to shine. Jesus said, let your light shine that men may see your good works, may see your good works. And then glorify our Father in heaven. So because we're spirit beings living in the flesh, we have the human condition. But at the end of the day, as you're physical being in this earth, folks should see your works and see, wow, look at what God's doing in life. Wow, look at how God is using them. Wow, look at what, what, what's coming out of them. Wow, look at their attitude. That's bringing light. That's letting your light shine. Okay? And so, again, this is what God is expecting of you in your territory, in the area he's assigned to you. Think about it. there's some place you go every day. Every day there's some places you are, whether it's on your job, uh, somewhere else. You, you, so all that is time and opportunity for you to let your light shine. All that is time, opportunity, and space for God to say, look, I sent you there to rule. I sent you there to rule. I didn't send you there to roll over. I sent you there to rule. I didn't send you on that job to roll over. I didn't send you in that city to roll over. I didn't give you that family to roll over. I sent you to rule and reign on this earth in the territory that I gave to you because you are a king. And again, time and time again, king, queen, you know, spirit is not male, female. So, again, you are a king and a priest, so therefore, look, you're royalty. And your area of influence, you are royalty in general because you're a child of God. But you are a king, a queen in your sphere of influence according to heaven. How heaven views it like who's in charge over there? You are. But guess what? That's why you have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why you have the authority of Jesus Christ. So who can stop you? What can stop you? What devil in hell can stop you when you're going forward doing the will of God? Because it's impossible again. I can't do God's will. You can't do God's will without the power and authority. So let's just get that premise right there. That, and I'm, again, I said I'm going to say it over and over and over again until you get it, until it becomes you, until it becomes a part of your life, where you walk around with that confidence and that boldness that comes with knowing that I carry resurrection power in me, that I carry the authority of Jesus Christ in me, that when I show up, Christ shows up. When I show up, demons have to flee. They have to bow down to the authority of Jesus Christ. So when you walk in fear, again, that means that you are not acknowledging the power and the authority God placed in you. Okay? So understand this. So demons may attack you on your territory, but when you exercise your power and authority, they must stand down. You must fight back. So you must be reminded that this is a spiritual thing, not a physical one. You invested far too much energy dealing with things in your flesh. The results will only be produced when you handle it in the spirit. Spiritual warfare is a fight that you're guaranteed to win if you accept and utilize the power and authority God gave you. And that's what's been lacking. And the body of Christ is an understanding of spiritual warfare or putting us in the position of beggars. You're not a beggar as a child of God. You don't have to beg him for anything. 
You're his child. He loves you. He sent his only son to die on the cross for you. Now, Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren, so he's our big brother now. He's the firstborn. He said, hey, I'm coming to show you how it's supposed to be done. And you're walking around allowing problems to beat on you, allowing situations to, to determine how you feel today, allowing your circumstance to change your mood when you're supposed to change the outlook of that circumstance. You're supposed to make that circumstance wish that it never messed with you, wish that it never came in contact with you, the power and authority that lives in you. So what's missing is we've got to know how to walk in it. We've just got to accept it. That's, and, and that's the biggest challenge is actually accepting that you have that much power and authority in you. And it's not of your own, again. It's the power of the Holy Spirit and authority of Jesus Christ. But you have that. You have that at your disposal. You have that to you. And look, it's the only way we can be effective in this world. If, you, if, if it's your job and it's my job to bring the kingdom of God on earth, what did Jesus do? He preached the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. We're bringing the kingdom of God on earth. On, let it be on earth as it already is in heaven. Look, heaven is straight. There's no boundaries in heaven. There are no limits in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. There's no worry in heaven. So therefore, I have to and you have to make sure that you bring what's on in heaven on earth, on earth. As it already is in heaven. That's what bringing the kingdom of God is. That's why I say it time and time again. You came out of God. You are the breath of God. You literally came out of God. So you are already a piece of heaven on earth. And God said, yeah, now you came out of me. You are a piece of me. Now what I want you to do is bring my kingdom on earth so that my glory can come. Manage. Be a good steward over what I've assigned to you. Don't look at something and, oh, it's this little small. No, it's big to God. Because every one of us plays an important role in God's army, in God's kingdom, okay? So keep that in mind. Again, spiritual warfare is a fight that you're guaranteed to win if you accept and utilize the power and authority God gave you. And sometimes it becomes hard to accept the reality because you've been led to believe that if something has been going on for so long, that is God's will. God won't contradict his will to justify our excuse not to do what he said we, we can do. Again, God will not contradict his will to justify our excuses, excuses we come up with, to not do what he said we can do. And the last time I checked, the word says, I can do all things. Not some things, not a few things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's him living through me. Considering the fact that he said we only need a small seed of faith to move any mountain. A small little tiny seed, a little tiny seed of faith. Seed as a mustard seed. Faith as a mustard seed. The size of a tiny little seed. Of faith and that little tiny bit of faith can move any mountain so God's will stands so most Christians don't have a faith problem the problem is not feeling worthy to actually receive what God said you're worthy to have that's our biggest problem again it's not that you have a faith problem the problem is not feeling worthy to actually receive what God said you're worthy to have so again I came to tell you tonight that you are worthy to receive what God said you can have and this goes back to having a mindset shift, changing your mindset to, this, to, the, to the idea of it's already done. So you are too powerful to live below your potential by stooping down to the devil's level. You're seated in Christ, so live in Christ. And one of the biggest tricks of Satan is to try to get you to believe that you're not who God said you were before you were ever born. Before you were in your mother's womb, God already ordained you. He already called you. He already set you apart. So you have to trust God. So when you realize that your life is not about you, but it's about Christ living through you, nothing will ever pose a, as a threat to you. 
when you realize that your life is not about you, but it's about Christ living through you, nothing will ever pose as a threat to you. So this is the confidence that you need on the battleground. We're getting back to the battleground. This is the confidence that you need on the battleground. Sure, things may seem hard at times, but it's only hard according to your flesh. Every problem that comes your way in life has an expiration date because no problem can ever survive in the spirit realm when you're in Christ. So the battleground is a place that you have expertise in. Even if you're in a new territory and don't know anyone where you are, you still have the same power of the Holy Spirit. You still have the same authority of Jesus Christ. So if you're looking for answers, you still have the same power and the same authority. So your mind has to be renewed. Any thought or idea independent of God is a thought or idea that opposes God. Any thought or idea independent of God is a thought or idea that opposes God. That's what we want the mind of Christ. So understand this. God is not telling you to recreate the blueprint. He's not telling you to, to recreate the blueprint. He's telling you to let him work the blueprint through you. So it's already been laid out for you to follow. So revelation from the Holy Spirit comes to give you a greater understanding of God's blueprint for your life and others. Again, revelation from the Holy Spirit comes to give you greater understanding of God's blueprint for your life and others. So what you're facing is not something the Spirit hasn't seen before because you came out of God. You came out of God. You are the breath of God. So therefore, you have what you need to overcome. Therefore, spiritual warfare is a battle you've seen before. And you have all the power and all the authority you need to ensure victory. So we now need to have an understanding of where we live and how it operates as it's where the battle occurs. So you have been living here on earth all these years. So it will help to know more about and, and why your role is so important. So we hear the word heaven, and oftentimes the first thing we think about is heaven where God is. However, we have to gain a better understanding of what the word heaven and how it's used, used in Scripture. We, we talked with this some years ago uh, about understanding its importance, but this is important now to understand for spiritual warfare. So when we talk about the heavens, we should look at it in a sense of being spheres or dimensions, levels, hierarchy, etc. So the highest heaven, of course, is where God's throne is. So again, there's three heavens. There are three heavens. There's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. And the concept is very similar to how God instructed Moses to build the temple where there were three parts. You had the outer court, you had the holy place, and you had the holies of holies. So there are three, port, three, three parts when God instructed Moses to build a temple. The outer court, the holy place, and then the holies of holies. Okay, and that's what the Ark of the Covenant was and all that. So even Noah's Ark had three levels. Okay, so let's go to uh, Deuteronomy 10 and 14. Okay, let's go to Deuteronomy 10 and 14. We're talking about the battleground. Spiritual Warfare Training Part 5, The Battleground. All right, Deuteronomy 10 and 14. Deuteronomy 10 and 14. And it reads, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. Heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. So this passage gives us a snapshot that there's more than one heaven or dimension or hierarchy of heaven. So the ultimate place we desire to get, get back to is the highest heaven where God's throne is. So understand, Satan tries to get you to come off your seat of authority because, again, remind us time and time again, we're seated in Christ. Okay? Where are you seated? In Christ. 
you're seated in Christ. Scripture says far above principality, poverty, etc. So we're seated in Christ. So again, knowing your seat. You've got to stay in your seat of authority. And that's by allowing the Holy Spirit, uh, the power to operate through you, allowing and exercising the authority of Jesus Christ that he gave unto you to go about doing God's will on earth. Because again, God instruct, instructed you to rule and reign on earth. So you now a manager of whatever area he's assigned to you. Well, I can say whether it's your home, your job, your city. So you are a manager in the area of influence he's given to you, and he expects you to rule. He expects you to operate in the power and authority he's given unto you. So again, it's getting back to the fact that you act accepting it. You have to accept it. You have to get it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know, again, like I said, it's a mindset change. God is trying to get your mind to shift, to start looking from the perspective of it's already done. It's already a completed work. I just have to live it out. I just have to walk it out. And amidst of what the devil tries to throw at me, what the enemy comes, what demons try to throw at me, I understand that it's already done. God's already finished the thing. It's already worked out. So I just have to make sure that I show up. And again, God didn't tell you to sit there and roll over. He told you to take over. Okay? So start rolling over in your home. Start rolling over on your job. Start rolling over in your city and take over. Rule, reign. And again, it's the power and authority that's in you to be able to do it. Everywhere Jesus went, he, he left his footprint. He left his hammer. Everywhere he went, he, made, he brought about change because, again, he brought the kingdom. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. It ain't just to preach a job. That's, that's, what we get. We, that, that's, that's the problem sometimes we run to a church where we become codependent upon the preachers, etc. Okay? So we all have that same responsibility to go out and bring God's kingdom. Now, we all may have different roles, different functions, different offices, etc., but that's just, that's just a certain level of responsibility. But he's called us all to bring his kingdom on earth because you are only here on this earth to bring God's kingdom on earth. That is your first responsibility. You bring God's kingdom on earth. You bring light to where there's darkness. You are telling us about Jesus Christ. You are letting your light shine. Okay? So, again, so back to this, this passage, the heaven and the highest heaven belongs to God. So, again, Satan is trying to get you to come off your seat of authority in Christ. But again, when you know how important your position is, you will stay focused. So the heavens belong to God. We understand this. The heavens belong to God. It all belongs to God. Okay? So that means it doesn't belong to Satan. Satan and his demons are trying to steal our inheritance because they have none of their own. However, we aren't sharing it with them. So, okay, the first heaven. Let's talk about the first heaven. The first heaven is earth, where you and I live. This is where humans reside. This also includes the earth and the atmosphere that surrounds it. And the saying heaven on earth has some validity because truly we are getting heaven on earth because we are part of heaven. So you are literally heaven on earth. You are heaven on earth. Because, again, what, what, is, what is the model prayer that Jesus taught the disciples that, that applies to us? Part of prayer. We're bringing on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So who's doing God's will on earth? It's not God. Who's carrying out God's will on earth? Me and you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Look, he, he told you right there in the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose job is to bring God's kingdom on earth? Whose job is it to do God's will on earth? Me and you. On earth as it is in heaven. Who came out of God? Me and you. Who are a piece of God? Who are the breath of God? Me and you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That's your responsibility. So you talk about what's my purpose? That your first purpose? 
right there. There may be there may be accessories added to it. There may be other things specific assignments he gives you, but that's your first thing. Bring God's kingdom on earth. Do his will on earth as it is in heaven. Simple as that. It, it is just that simple. So so I just saw some of your problems right there. Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. Bring my kingdom on earth. And that requires, again, like you're here tonight, on, on uh, studying the word in prayer. Okay? Your kingdom come. You will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. So, wow, look at all the responsibility God gave you. Wow, look at how much God trusts you with. Wow, look at how much God expects you to do. But the beautiful thing about it is he's doing it through you. You just have to be obedient. That's the beauty of it. You just have to simply be obedient. Simple as that. Saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, what, what you want me to do, I want to do. And like, like I said earlier, when you get to the point when you realize that it's not about you, but it's about Christ living through you, it will change your entire perspective. So again, the heavens belong to God. So again, Satan and his demons are trying to steal our inheritance because they have none of their own. Okay? So again, uh, the first heaven, it also includes the earth and the atmosphere that surrounds it. So again, we're spirit beings who have to live in flesh. As discussed, spirit can only get in the earth realm with a physical body. So our bodies are just a, our bodies, our physical body is just a vehicle to get our spirit around. It's just a physical vehicle to get our power and authority around. Okay? So we are to bring God's kingdom to earth. When Jesus came, he invaded the earth and preached about what? The kingdom of God. And what are you supposed to bring bring? The kingdom of God. So demons roam around earth trying to take our territory. And they recognize when you show up. And so Satan is also trying to establish his kingdom on earth. But we invade it for God's glory. The battleground only becomes a battleground in spiritual warfare because Satan wants from us what he knows he rightfully cannot have. So therefore you must fight back. Again, the battleground only becomes a battleground in spiritual warfare because Satan wants from us what he knows he cannot rightfully have. All right, let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and it reads, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. So we see that God gave humans dominion again on earth, including over the birds of the air. So we understand that these are English words. So when we look at the Hebrew word for air in verse 26 and 28, where it says over the birds of the air, in both verse 26 and verse 28, it says over the birds of the air. But when we look at the Hebrew, the Hebrew translation for air in this passage is Shemayim, which means heaven. It means heaven. So these birds of heaven, so you can really, really read it as, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, of the sea, over the birds of the heaven. Over the birds of heaven. So these birds of heaven or of the sky are part of the first heaven. And the first heaven includes the earth, like I said, and the atmosphere surrounding it. So God gave you dominion on earth. And that means that no demon from hell has the right to imprison you because you are to imprison them. God gave you dominion on earth, 
And that means that no demon from hell has the right to imprison you because you are to imprison them. So we also know that God gave Adam and Eve dominion before he blessed them. Before God even blessed them, God gave them dominion. He gave them dominion. Because look, we see in verse 26, again, he said, let them have dominion over the fish of sea, over the birds of heaven, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that keeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then verse 28 says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So you have dominion before God even blessed you. That's not even part of the blessing. The stuff that comes with your dominion is not even part of the blessing. The blessing is the overflow. So, so, so just the things that you, you can gain just by having dominion and walking in obedience is not even a blessing. That's the principle of God. The principle of God says you need to rule in your territory. You need to reign in your territory. And then the blessing comes. The blessing is on top of that. Okay, so God gave you dominion on earth, and so, again, Adam and Eve had dominion before he blessed them. So not only do you have dominion, but you also have God's blessing. So don't ever allow a situation you experience make you forget that you are blessed by God through Christ Jesus. All right, let's go to Matthew 6 and 26. Matthew 6 and 26. And it's Matthew 6 and 26. All right, just one verse. And it reads, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So now we see a New Testament example. We did Old Testament, now it's a New Testament example. And Jesus was talking to the crowd that was listening to him. He let us know that the birds of the heaven do not sow or reap, but our heavenly Father feeds them. So the word here, because you know the New Testament is the Greek, uh, so the word here in Greek, the Greek translation of the New Testament for this word here uh, for birds of the air is uranos, which also means heaven. So this again refers to the sky, which is part of the earth's atmosphere. So we also know that it's talking about the first heaven on earth. Because Jesus said right after he mentioned birds of heaven that our heavenly father feeds them. And we know that's right here on earth where he feeds the birds. <clears throat> so we know that Jesus is not referring to the same heaven here, but a different place because we can see the birds here where we are. You can look outside the window, you know, and see birds flying. So our heavenly father, God, is in the third heaven. So God takes care of the birds in the first heaven on earth. Again, where you and I live, where you and I reside, where we are supposed to manage rules of do have dominion. And the birds don't sow or reap. But we're more valuable than birds as children of God. So believe God for what he said. He said he will provide. So don't allow fear to rob you of the truth in your faith. And again, what I said earlier, fear is simply a lack of acknowledging the power and authority that's in you. The power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ. And like I said, I'm going to keep rehearsing it over and over until it's in you. What's the power? The Holy Spirit. I can't hear you, but I know some of you are What's the power? The Holy Spirit. What's the authority? Jesus Christ. We have the authority of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's in you. Okay? So you have to receive it. Accept that fact. You're worthy of it. You're worthy of it because you accepted Jesus Christ. That made you worthy of it. And not only are you worthy of it, you can't live without it. You can't survive without it. You can't carry out God's will effectively in this earth without it. 
So that's a part of you. You have to have it. So again, God's just trying to get you to wake up to it and accept it. Wow, I have this responsibility. I have this power. I have this authority. Not of my own, but I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit, resurrection power is living in me. That's doing the work through me. That's casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, breaking down barriers of the enemy in my territory. As I said earlier, it's your responsibility to regulate things in your territory. If the enemy attacks, it's your responsibility to defend in your territory. So understand, demons will try to fight us with fear on the battleground in hopes that we doubt what God said. He wants you to doubt what God said. Fear is an ugly enemy that tries to make you doubt the truth in God and the power that's in you. It's an enemy, and you must fight against it. it you have to look at it. Fear is an enemy. Doubt is an enemy. Worrying is an enemy, and you must look at it in that way. Don't be saying, oh, I'm worried. That's an enemy. You're giving praise to an enemy. You fight against that, that enemy. You come up against that enemy. So I rebuke, I cast out the spirit of fear. I rebuke, I cast out the spirit of depression, spirit of stress. Those are enemies. So you have to stop talking about them like they're your friends, like, they, like they're part of you So for so long. I, I, I was working with someone for a while who they're just stuck on the fact that, you know, they have severe anxiety and they're diagnosed with severe anxiety. And I'm trying to get to this, okay, I understand the medical side, but that's still a spiritual attack. So there's, I've been living with this severe anxiety. I'm trying to work through the spirit. Anxiety, I'm trying to get through anxiety. It's a spirit. It's a demonic spirit that's tormenting you. But when something's been with you for so long, you begin to wear it like it's you. That's the enemy. That's not a part of you. So there's certain things we talk, talk about because we've been wearing it and carrying it for so long. We've been allowing it to live with it for so long. Instead of evicting it, we live with it like, oh, this is just how it is. I guess this is God's will that I have severe anxiety. The devil is a lie. It is not God's will that you have severe anxiety. That's a lie from Satan. So there's some things that you've been accepting. Oh, I got this chronic, chronic issue. It's chronic back pain. All this is I dealt with it all my life. You accepting it. You you rolling with it like like oh, cause, cause you it's been a part of your life for so long. It's God's will. No, it's not. It's not His will. Jesus did not die for you to be sick and beat down. What Jesus said when God said that He desires that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. So you got to stop accepting things in your life that did not come from God. Just because it's been around for a long time does not mean that it came from God. It just means that you need to face that thing and you need to defeat it and you need to fight it. Because guess what? It's on your territory. If it's in your body, if it's in your family, if it's in your home, if it's on your job, it's your territory. And it's your job to fight it. It's your job to command it to leave and you keep fighting it until it goes. There's some demons that are more stubborn than others. You're not going to come on my territory and make me believe that this is God's will. When I know this goes against God's will, this goes against God's word. Sickness, if it comes, attacks your body. Stress, fear, if it attacks your body, that's an enemy. And you got to fight it back in the spirit. So stop wearing these things like it's a part of you. I don't care if you say, oh, I was bored. I've been carrying this thing for a long time. Or oh, everybody in my family are diabetical. And everybody got, oh, yeah, there's sugar running my family. And, oh, we, I, a lot of people in my family got cancer. Oh, the devil is alive. So you... Be the interrupt in your bloodline, and you break that curse over your bloodline. That means that's been that same spirit of infirmity that's been being passed down from one to another, that's been trying to keep your family in bondage because no one stepped up and said, you don't belong here. So now you get this word. you got this word, so you know what's peace now. you got the word. The word has come to you now. So now your eyes of understanding are open. You say, wait a minute. 
I have, and guess what? You have power of the Holy Spirit to deal with it. You have the authority of Jesus Christ. And every knee must bow, every tongue must confess under the name of Jesus Christ. So now the responsibility is on you to defend your territory. Your body is part of your territory. Hello, somebody. So stop accepting these things. Okay. Now, again, believe what God said. He said he can provide, so don't lie, fear to rob you. Okay. Let's go to Genesis 1 and 20. Genesis 1 and 20. We're still talking about uh, the first heaven here. Genesis 1 and 20. And it reads, then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens, of the firmament of the heavens. So we see God put living creatures in the waters. So that's where fish, etc., were placed. We see birds flying above the earth across the face of the firmament of heaven. So we know that they fly across the face of the earth in the sky, which is all in the earth's atmosphere, which again, we said the earth's atmosphere and where we live, that's the first heaven. Still an extension of God's government, but it's still nonetheless the first heaven. So we can look up to the sky and you can see birds flying. In Genesis 1 and 8, God calls the firmament heaven. In Genesis 1 and 8, God calls the firmament heaven. So in this case, firmament is simply the sky above the earth. Okay? So we have dominion even in the sky because we have dominion over the birds of air. So again, this is all part of the earth's atmosphere, the first heaven. Okay? So you have dominion all up in this earth. All up in the first heaven, you have dominion. God said, rule, subdue, have dominion all up in the first heaven, okay? All right, let's go to James 5. James 5, verses 17 through 18. James 5, 17 through 18. And it reads, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit okay so let's look at this here the heaven here that they're speaking of is still the first heaven this is the earth's atmosphere and the clouds that give rain again remember, remember the sky that's part of the firmament of the first heaven the sky that we look above about outside up at uh still part of the first heaven and earth the ground that we walk on that's still all part of earth in the first in the first heaven so elijah prayed to god and we know that god is where in the third heaven and so he prayed to god who was in the third heaven that god would manifest rain in the first heaven okay what does that sound like to you what does that go back to your will no kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as it is in heaven so he pulled this down from heaven so notice that it says that elijah was a man just like us a human being just like us with a spirit, you know, a physical body, spirit, but he had a spirit being like us. So he was human like us, and he prayed to God to send the answer to his prayers on earth. So God responded to his request, and it did not rain for three years and six months. He was in relationship with God, and he walked in the power and authority of God, which is the same power and authority that we have today. You have a you you have power and authority. This is just as Elijah did for it to not rain. He prayed for it not to rain, didn't rain. Okay. So that's because we have dominion in this earth's atmosphere. So he was able to use the power and authority to get it to rain. Then he was able to do this before Christ came. He did this. This is before Christ came. Okay. When they talk about Elijah. So this is a New Testament passage. They're talking about what Elijah did uh, in the Old Testament. So, again, he was able to do this before Christ came and the promise of the Holy Spirit was even given. So imagine how much more we can do because we now have Christ. 
and what Christ did for us. So understand this now. And again, and I know I said you got to get this, you got to wrap around your brain to really accept this power. And sometimes it's hard to get it that I got to have this power authority. Because understand this, when conditions are not suitable for you, you have full access to heaven to pray that God manifests on earth what's already done in heaven. Because again, you are a manager on earth on God's behalf. Wherever he assigns you, whatever territory, he, he, he said, I want you to manage the area I've given you in your home. I want you to manage your home. I want you to manage things on your job. I want you to manage things in your city. Whatever territory I've given unto you, I want you to manage, and I want you to be a good steward over it to whom much is given, much is required. So, again, I will also increase and give you more territory. I'll give you more assignment, assigned territory, et cetera, but you have to be a good steward of what I've already given you. Okay? So, again, if conditions are not suitable for you, you have full access to heaven. To pray that God manifest on earth what was already done in heaven. Because when Elijah prayed in verse 18, it said, heaven gave rain. And what did the earth do? Produces fruit. So, oh God, we need the rain because we need, we need this harvest to grow. It produced fruit. So Elijah prayed for no rain, and it didn't rain. Elijah prayed for rain, and it did rain. So there are some areas that have dried up in your life, but you have access to all God has to bring it back to life. Because of the power and authority that you have on earth, you are a king and a priest on this earth. You have to understand this. You are pure, 100% royalty of God on this earth. Though we're in this world, we're not of this world. We're not from this world. Though we have laws, physical laws in this world, governmental laws in this world, we are not a part of this government. We are a part of the government of God, the government of heaven. And it is your job as a spiritual ambassador of Christ to bring God's kingdom on earth. And because Christ is working in and through you, the power of the Holy Spirit is in you. You are the living manifestation of Christ in the earth. Because, again, we are supposed to be Christ-like. And because we're supposed to be Christ-like and greater works we're supposed to do, I am, you are the living manifestation of Christ in the earth because he's doing the work through you. That's power. That's authority. And what the scripture say again, your life. And I say time and time again, we got to eat. Your life and my life is hidden in Christ Jesus. Far above all principalities, far above all power, rulers, all, all, all the works of, of, of darkness, of Satan's kingdom, we're seated in Christ. So you have to look from that perspective. I'm seated in Christ. I am royalty. I am seated in Christ, and Christ is going to finish his work through me. So again, this now takes that pressure off of you. This now takes that mindset off of you of rolling over all the time and allowing stuff to determine your emotions, allowing situations to dictate your feelings and what you do about it. Your feelings don't have nothing to do with your faith. So, again, God is not calling you to roll over. He's calling you to take over on earth because guess what? You have dominion here. You're supposed to rule here. You don't rule in heaven, okay? You rule here on earth, okay? Now, let's go to uh, James 1, 16 through 17. James 1, 16 through 17. Still talking about the battleground. Again, James 1, 16 through 17. All right, and it reads, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we already understand that scripture already tells us that, again, you and I, we accept Jesus Christ. We are the light of the world, yes? So we are the light of the world. Follow me here now. We're the light of the world. Okay? 
So now we see that God is the father of what? Lights. He's our father because we are lights. You and I are lights in earth. So hence, he's the father of all lights. You and I are lights. He's the father. God is the father of all lights, which not only includes us, but it also includes the sun, moon, stars, angels, etc. So there are some things that people call good because they want it badly, but it doesn't mean that it's good for them. God gives gifts that last. And the scripture clearly says every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good gift is from God, and God gives it to you to spoil you in ways he has not spoiled you before. That's part of being a child of God. And when it says here uh, that in verse 17 that whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, there is no variation or shadow of turning with God, this means that unlike the sun, that can go down or be covered by the clouds, God does not change. He always shines. He is the light of all lights, the king of all kings. And, and look, look at this now. Can we say these things? You understand? We hear he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Who he's the king of? King of kings. Who's the other kings he's the king of? Us. And again, it's not uh, gender specific. And when he said kings, he's talking about male and female. Okay? So he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's us. Light of lights. That's us. Okay? So God is not moving from his throne. Watch this now. I say it time and time again. God is not getting off his throne. God is not moving from his throne in the third heaven. So we must walk in our kingship and let our light shine here on earth in the first heaven. Although this is not our original home, it's where we were sent to do the will of God. So it's expected that you rule and reign on earth through the power that works in you and the authority. The battleground is actually an area where you were expected to have influence in. You are a king, and God is all, is, is all over us, and he's all in us. He's over us all. He's over us all and his government. So get used to this responsibility. Get used to carrying all this power. It's to make others around you better. It's to bring God's kingdom on earth. God gave you power so that you can demonstrate to the world that Christ is the only way. God gave you power. So that you can demonstrate to the world that Christ is the only way, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it does not require much more convincing when you demonstrate the power of God to support the word of God. And this is necessary on the battleground. It's a fight for territory, and it's a fight for souls. All right, let's go to Genesis 3 and 8, and then 23 to 24. Okay, Genesis 3 and 8, and then verses 23 through 24. All right, for the sake of time, I'll go ahead and read it. All right, Genesis 3, begin at verse 8, and then I'm going to read verses 23 to 24. Genesis 3 and 8 reads, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 23 to 24. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword was turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So understand this. Adam and Eve were on the earth in the Garden of Eden, and they heard God walking. They hid themselves because they knew they had sinned against God by eating from the tree in the middle of the garden. Okay? So they, they listened to the enemy. So the tree gave them knowledge of good and evil. The Garden of Eden was on earth, and God planted this garden on the earth, and Eden means pleasure. So it was the Garden of Pleasure, 
So it was a place where man was in perfect relationship with God. So we see that God even walked in the Garden of Eden. He planted his garden on earth because man, man knew no sin in this time. However, because of sin, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and sent to till the ground from which they came from. So that means that they were sent to till the ground that they came from the earth, the dust where we came from, the, the ground. That means that the Garden of Eden was a special place on the earth where they were in perfect communication and perfect unity with God, perfect relationship with God. So then God, after they sinned, then God kicked them out and said, okay, now you go work the ground on earth. So again, God even had some cherubim angels to guard it, as well as a flaming sword so that Adam and Eve were not tempted to try to come back in the Garden of Eden. So the fact that God brought angels to the Garden uh, to guard it shows how much of paradise and heaven it, the Garden of Eden really was. So after Adam and Eve were kicked out, some things changed. After the flood came to destroy the earth, except Noah and his family, things changed. And that fellowship with God was not as close as it should have been. Hence, this is why Jesus had to come to get it right for us, to get us back in right relationship with God. Nonetheless, we see how earth was always heaven, a heaven. It was always, it was always an extension of heaven. It was a part of heaven. So if you feel you lost your place in God, it's never hard to find your place again. It's as simple as walking away from guilt and running back to God. Walking away from that guilt and shame that, that the enemy tries to make you stay in and feel like I'm not worthy. Oh, no, you're worthy because you accepted Christ. You are worthy. Because it's not you that live, but Christ lives through you. So you are worthy. You just got to get that flesh out the way. Okay? So again, if you feel lost, if you feel like you've lost your way, it's as simple as walking away from guilt and running to God. It's never hard to find your place again. And so the enemy gets free shots on us when we're on the battleground and are afraid to go back to God because of something we've done. You can't be afraid to go back to God. That's where you need to go. That's where your refuge is. So you're either running from God or you're running to God. And no matter what happened, you should always find yourself running to God. And if you don't accept your power and authority from God to rule, you're saying you want to be ruled by someone other than God. I'm going to say that again. If you don't accept your power and authority from God to rule, you're saying you want to be ruled by someone other than God. And we know that's a hot mess. You don't want that to happen. Let's talk about the seven, second heaven. One verse here. Let's go to Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. Now we're going to talk about the second heaven. Uh, then it says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So we see here in the book of Daniel chapter 10, we see that Daniel had prayed to God. Daniel prayed to God. And it took 21 days for that answer to be delivered. Not because God didn't hear him. God released the answer. God released the sent the, the, the the answer for it to be manifested, uh, to be delivered, but because of spiritual warfare was going on in the second heaven, that's what delayed it. So the demonic principalities that Satan assigned over Persia were trying to prevent God's angel Gabriel from delivering, <clears throat> from delivering the answer to Daniel's prayer. So the demonic principalities Satan assigned over Persia were trying to prevent God's angel Gabriel from delivering that answer to Daniel's prayer. However, God's angel Michael came to help Gabriel fight against the demonic principality so that Gabriel could get free so he can get the answer to David, to Daniel. So this, again, is why prayer and engaging in spiritual warfare is so important. Every battle won or lost in the spirit realm 
or, or the second heaven is first one and lost on earth in the first heaven. Okay, that's why your prayer life is important. Again, prayer is not just the answer. It's the only answer. And, and again, we know that prayer, that's your communication, that's your, uh, uh, as you're communicating with God. It's also your currency. It's how you make spiritual transactions from, uh, from heaven to earth. And, of course, spiritual warfare is when you're actually engaging the enemy. That's you're actually commanding them to leave. You're actually rebuking them and, and casting them out and, and commanding them to leave in the name of Jesus, etc. That's direct spiritual warfare. Okay? So the battle that was going on couldn't be seen physically because it was happening in the spirit, in the second heaven. We know we're in the first heaven, the earth realm. So this was happening in the second, second, second heaven. So Daniel's prayer from the first heaven caused a lot of activity to play, take place in the second heaven. So while you're here and I'm here in the first heaven, there's always activity going on in the second heaven. That's where all the spiritual activity takes place. And you can influence that. You have a role to play. Earth is a physical realm, but it's still governed by the spirit realm. So it's another reminder that you are spirit living in flesh. Your prayer life is too vital and too, too much is influenced by your prayers for you to play around with it, for you to take it lightly. You don't have to see it all, but I assure you as, as, as we see in this passage that activity is going on in the second heaven. So the first heaven and the second heaven are battlegrounds, and you can influence both. You have dominion here, but you also have dominion in the second heaven because you see it in Christ. So it's Christ that's dealing with it. It's Christ, okay? He said rule here, but we see it in Christ, and, in, and that's why, again, you have the second heaven. Daniel, Daniel's prayer influenced the battle in the second heaven. Well, you see that Michael and et cetera, they were doing the war in the second heaven. They were engaged in, in, in the sex. So, again, you have all this at your, your disposal. You have warring angels. And, look, in Michael's army, ain't nothing to play with. You know, look, the enemy don't want to see Michael's army. We, we've seen the nice celestial beings, the nice angels that pray and wing. Look, Michael's army don't look nothing like you think. The, these angels are like, look like transformers on steroids. They got, they're all different types with someone with swords all over their body. It's so many. I mean, they, they, they're nothing like the, the prey angels we used to see. Because they're warring angels. They fight. So you have warring angels that when you pray, go to war on your behalf in the second heaven. Because I can't go in the second heaven and fight. You can't go in the second heaven and fight. That's, that's why the warring angels are going. And we see from this passage, that's what Daniel was doing. He prayed in the first heaven, and it made it to the third heaven. And then God sent the, sent the answer from the third heaven, but it had to pass to the second heaven. And that's where the fight took place. And again, there's literally a fight over your life. There's literally a fight over your territory. There's literally a fight over the things that God has for you because Satan does not want you to walk in prosperity. Satan does not want you to be who God called you to be. So there's a fight. So there's something you prayed for that have already been released. You just have to fight in the spirit realm. Again, that's through your praying and spiritual warfare by engaging the enemy, whatever's been attacking you on earth, to engage it. Commanding it to leave, commanding it to flee in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's talk about our last one, the third heaven. The third heaven, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. So the third heaven, this is where God himself dwells. God dwells in the third heaven. This is where his throne is. This is our first home. This is where we came from because we're spirits. This is where we go when we die in Christ and then go to heaven. Okay, this is where we go. This is ultimately where we want to get back to, but it all depends on if we carry out God's will for our lives here on earth. In the first heaven, this is also where God's angels dwell, and some of these angels have specific assignments, which is why they leave the third heaven and operate in the second and the first heaven. For example, we know that we have guarding angels who protect us, and we, as well as angels who deliver answers to us. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 12, 1-4, through 4, 
It reads, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such as such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Which is not lawful for a man to utter. And so the Apostle Paul was speaking of himself. He had received so many revelations. He did not want to come across as one who was, boast, was boasting, was arrogant in his close, with his close relationship with God and fellowship with God. So Apostle Paul had a vision of the third heaven. It was so powerful what he saw and heard in the spirit and the vision he heard that he had of the third heaven until the words were inexpressible. What he saw and was heard, the words were inexpressible, and he was not even permitted to utter it. So there are great things that God will reveal to you that words will never be able to describe, but he will show you because of his love for you. So whatever Apostle Paul saw, he was not even allowed to write it down. It's another mystery of God. So some things the Holy Spirit will reveal to us that is not in Scripture, but the key uh, to measure it is, is by the fact that God will never go against his word. He won't show us something or have us to do something that contradicts his word. It's an honor and a privilege as well as a necessity to get revelation from God. Satan is jealous of us because he can't get revelation. He's jealous of us because he cannot get Revelation. All right, quickly, let's go to Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, and then we're going to end in Revelation 4, 1 through 4. So Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, and then we're going to end in Revelation 4, 1 through 4. Okay, Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, I'll just read it. It says, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another say, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongue from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this is touch your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. So here the prophet Isaiah, he had a vision of the third heaven. We see of the third heaven. We know this because he was able to see God sitting on his throne. And he also saw the seraphim angels and seraphim or the highest-ranking angels as they, because they surround God's throne. The seraphim angels, they are the angels that surround God's throne. They are the attendants to God's throne, and they have the most perfect knowledge of God. They are always singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah was able to see all of this. And he had the vision around the time that uh, Isaiah, uh, or the king of uh, Judah, had died. Okay, And he uses this historical point when he says the year that king Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high lifted up. He used this, this historical point uh, to signify the year, to let us know the year that he had the vision. And so Isaiah recognized that he was in the presence of God, and he felt unclean, and that he was not even fit to speak. However, a seraphim angel took a coal from the altar and touched his lip with it, and it was symbolic that he had been purged of his sins. So then, so this then put him in a position to be able to answer God when God spoke to him, 
And so God gave him the next assignment uh, during this particular vision. All right, let's go to our last verse, Revelation 4, 1 through 4. So all this is right here about the third heaven. Revelation 4, 1 through 4. And it reads, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And who who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. So this particular passage here, John, Apostle John, had a revelation of the third heaven. Again, he saw God's throne. So we know this because he saw God's throne, and that's in the third heaven, the highest heaven. So we see that only that he only saw it after he was in the spirit. It's impossible to see spiritual things and still be in the flesh. Our spiritual eyes have to be open. We did a study uh, last year on our spiritual senses, okay, and one of them is seeing in the spirit, uh, okay? And so only spirit can see spirit. So we gain more information from this revelation because now we see that there are 24 thrones that are surrounding God's throne. So there's 24 thrones that are surrounding God's throne, and these thrones are believed to represent the entire church. Um, some thought it was the 12 tribes of Israel and or the 12 apostles. Uh, however, from those who had some revelation of heaven, who, who had revelation of heaven, uh, it's been revealed that the 24 elders around the throne are not the 12 apostles and they're not the 12 tribes of Israel, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. But they're actually created beings that have been with God forever. Again, we had the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then they made the four living creatures. Of course, we know that, you know, top of the seraphim, and then the 24 elders were made, created after that. So the 24 elders are not on the throne as much because they're walking around heaven serving others. Okay? So Apostle John saw an open door in heaven. And if there are open doors in heaven, that means there are open doors on earth. And we just need to walk through them. We need to see them. Find them as they're revealed to us. So God is not shutting you out. Hear me clearly. God is not shutting you out. He's inviting you to come closer to him because there are things he will show you that you've never seen before. There are places he will take you that you've never been before. So there is nothing to worry about on this battleground here on earth. You just need to do the good work of a soldier. God gave you territory. You're expected to rule and have dominion regardless of the attacks of the enemy because you have what you need. You have what you need to win in spiritual warfare. This is just more training to help you in the battle. So again, recap, first heaven, that's the earth and the atmosphere around us on the earth. Second heaven, that's where all the spiritual activities take place. The third heaven where God's literal throne is. And the battleground is here for us is on earth. And the battleground is also in the second heaven. That's why we have warring angels that do war in the second heavens uh, on our behalf, etc. And that's why your prayer life is important. So on the battleground, you have nothing to worry about. Because you are equipped. You just have to accept the power and the authority that's been given unto you. I know we covered a lot tonight here, but again, in this whole entire series. So again, you're not going to get all this in one sitting. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to go back and listen so that it gets in you and becomes a part of who you are. Okay, I said it's time coming and we have to understand, especially in this series. God is setting us up for some great things right now. And this is why he's trying to train us in this area. Because of this assignment he's giving unto you. So I will close us out in prayer. Father God, we come now to the end of this Bible study. We thank you, O oh God, for 
the word that went forth on tonight, oh God. We thank you for allowing us to see the battleground, oh God, and where the battle takes place and how the enemy tries to wage war, oh God. But we thank you for letting us know that we are victorious, that we have the power and we have the authority, oh God, the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus Christ to carry out your will, oh God, to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare, oh God. So I thank you, oh God, for each and every one who's listening under the sound of my voice, oh God. I thank you, oh God, for strengthening their lives, oh God. I thank you, oh God, that they shall walk in the power and authority in their territory, oh God, that they shall be who you called them to be. I declare and decree that they shall be the men and women of God that you have called them to be, oh God, that they shall do what you have called them to do in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. I thank you for strengthening them and keeping them and protecting them, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare that any burdens, oh God, that they have, oh God, has already been lifted, oh God, that there is no worrying. I rebuke and cast out the spirit of worrying, the spirit of fear. I cast it out. Now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare they shall have a spirit of boldness, O God, and in the confidence and the faith that they have in you, O God, they shall walk in it, O God. So we thank you. We bless your name now, and I thank you, O God, as they go into the valley, O God, as they go in their assigned territories, O God, that they shall rule and reign, O God, they shall subdue and have dominion, O God, that they shall come back with praise reports, O God, of the victories that they've had throughout the week, O God. So I thank you, O God. I thank you for the open doors that you have open in their lives, O God, that they shall walk through them, O God. I thank you for increased opportunities, O God, that you're opening in their lives, O God. I thank you for manifestation. On earth, oh God, I thank you that your will, oh God, shall be done, oh God, in this earth, in their lives, oh God, as it arrays in heaven, oh God. So we thank you, we bless your name, we glorify your name now. These no blessed we ask in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. So that's all I have for you tonight. Remember that you are the breath of God, and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle Green signing out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Good night. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.